Welcome, listener, to this GCP Short with Friend of the Podcast for 2020, Walker's Global Law Firm. Shortly, I'll be joined by Kate Storey, a Guernsey-based partner at Walker's, who specialises in captives, ILS, and pension longevity transactions in the jurisdiction. Kate and I are joined by Mike Picard, a senior manager with Aon Guernsey, who has extensive experience with both traditional captive structures and insurance-linked securities. Over the next 20 minutes, we discuss how now may be the perfect storm to see more collaboration and crossover between the three areas of Guernsey specialty, captives, ILS and longevity, and why this might be of particular interest and use to captive owners. So Guernsey is, of course, the largest captive domicile in Europe and has the most advanced ILS centre in the region as well. I've always been quite surprised that we haven't seen more collaboration between these two specialist areas, not just in Guernsey, but but globally. But with a hardening market and many captives likely to be taking on more risk and looking for new sources of reinsurance, perhaps now might be the perfect storm to see more activity in this area. As mentioned, uh, in Europe, at least, Guernsey could be the ideal hub to see more of this collaboration. So I thought just to set this conversation up, perhaps we can first hear about where we have seen some crossover in the captive, ILS and longevity worlds. Mike, could you perhaps outline some of the previous ILS transactions we've seen of this nature? Yes, um, Richard, no problem. Um, as you as you just mentioned before, there haven't been a, a huge amount of transactions um, in this space over recent years. However, there have been a few notable examples where captives have gone to the ILS market, albeit this has mostly been in the US. You know, we've got examples such as the New York Metropolitan Transport Authority, who issued a cap bonds, I think, initially back in 2013, where they were struggling to um, place their reinsurance program post-Hurricane Sandy. And of course, there's been subsequent renewals on this, including one quite recently. There's also been a number of Californian captives who have done similar sort of sort of deals. And even earlier than this, we go back to 1999. It's one that's quoted quite a bit. There was a Disneyland transaction in Tokyo to cover against some earthquake risk. I know you mentioned in your starting point that you were surprised we hadn't seen more collaboration in this area. Now, I guess from my perspective that there's probably a few reasons why. In the UK, stroke Europe, that's where most of Guernsey's captive owners are based. I guess we don't have the same extreme weather events and patterns that we have in um, places like the US. We don't have we don't have earthquakes in the same way as we do in the um, in, in Tokyo. And and these were really what prompted a lot of these transactions in the first place. It was it was a struggle to get capacity post an event so um that could well be why from we haven't seen much in the way of guernsey captives looking to take advantage of this space we also as we all know to our detriment sorry in the captive world we know we've been in a soft market for many a year where it's been cheap to purchase insurance reinsurance especially at the top end um, of structures so when you're looking at, at relatively cheap cover or, or low rate on lines, perhaps it hasn't been attractive enough for um, ILS investors to consider it worthwhile to get involved in this space. And probably the third point I'd make on 
is that maybe perhaps ILS has been considered, you know, slightly more complicated. If you look at some of these deals that have gone before, such as the cap bond type structures, it takes a lot. There's a lot of process and a lot of administration into putting something like this together. Which could scare, which could have scared off sort of captive owners or corporates. But um, as, as again, as you mentioned in your starting piece, things are changing, markets are hardening across all major major lines, which is good for captives. But it could also op- open up opportunities for um, captives to engage in with the ILS markets as pricing becomes more interesting to investors. Thanks for that, Mike. I think it's really useful to, to have that context and also particularly some of the reasons why we haven't seen as much activity as, as might as might we have wanted to or maybe expected. And I think you're right to say that while we're obviously seeing a hardening market and that might make these structures or transactions more appealing or more likely of course we've also seen the the ILS markets evolve a lot over the last 10 years too and you know see more kind of ILS market activity in different kinds of risks not just in that cat area so I'm really hoping that as that market matures further and captors look for more solutions um, we might see more of these transactions and we'll talk a bit more about that later on in the episode. Kay on the longevity side when you came on the podcast i think it was at the end or back end of 2019 we talked a little bit about longevity risk of course we've seen icc structures incorporated cell captives used to enact these longevity risk transfers can you talk us through a bit about that and a bit about the history of that in guernsey yeah, so these longevity risk transfer structures in Guernsey, they're, they're not actually ILS structures, but I do see the potential for ILS markets to become involved with these uh, longevity risk transfer structures. Basically, uh, longevity risk transfer in Guernsey works by a pension scheme setting up their captive, which takes the form of a Guernsey incorporated cell and ensures their longevity risk in the pension scheme to that captive and the captive then reinsures out that risk to the commercial reinsurance market. Um, now, of course, ILS provides an auto- alternative source of reinsurance. So there's there's no reason why, instead of the, the usual commercial um, reinsurers, that the ILS reinsurance markets couldn't be used um, to reinsure that uh, longevity risk from the Guernsey captive. As Mike was saying, ILS transactions have generally been in the property catastrophe market, but we have seen in Guernsey ILS reinsurance expanding out to life ILS, mortgage reinsurance, and a good example that I can talk about is the Clary PCC structure, which did uh, and continues to do ILS stop loss reinsurance of Lloyd's syndicates. So that's a uh, protected cell company structure established in Guernsey. And it was an, an example of an innovative hybrid investment reinsurance structure to um, reinsure Lloyd syndicates. So that itself wasn't a captive structure, but it's an example of how an ILS transformer structure can be set up in Guernsey very quickly and easily uh, with no capital requirements other than the collateral that's put up by ILS investors to support the reinsurance transactions. And this Guernsey collateralised reinsurance structure can allow cedents to take credit for the reinsurance in terms of their Solvency II capital relief calculations. So we are seeing examples of innovation in both 
the ILS markets and the longevity risk transfer markets in Guernsey and this potential for convergence of the two. Thanks, Kate. Yeah, and you touched upon there something that that myself and Mike also touched upon, which was, of course, we're seeing more or or new different types of risks enter the ILS market and ILS investors and managers become more comfortable with those. So, Mike, obviously, in your role at Aon, you have a lot of uh, touch points and experience with kind of traditional captive owners, but also the ILS markets. Do you think ILS managers are interested in captive business or new captive lines uh, in, in an attempt to kind of diversify their risk portfolios? Yes, I, I do think they they would be. You know, I've been working with Aon now for six years on the ILS side and before that had many years in the captive space. Over the six years, you know, we've introduced clients to ILS managers when they've um, been finding it difficult to place risk. I've introduced um, people to our colleagues at Aon Securities, who of course are involved in the structuring on the cap bond side. Um, and, and the ILS managers have always been keen to talk, that they're always happy to listen to whatever a captive manager proposes and look and see if it's something they can help them with. You just need to go to various conferences. I think every conference in the ILS space that I've been to over the last few years mentions the potential of ILS expanding into other risks, including cyber. Just for example, I think every conference mentions cyber as a potential risk. So there is definite interest but it has to be at a price that works for all parties so it has to be um, attractive to the captive and it also has to provide a strong enough return to the ILS investor if, if I was looking at this from an ILS manager's perspective then yeah definitely I would be interested in, in captive risks if you think about it now there's been a number of years of hurricane activity I think that the latest forecasts are that another one may may be on its way so um, Looking at other risks to diversify a portfolio can um, only be a good thing. And we've already mentioned, or Kate's mentioned, life ILS and longevity. Now, we've seen this over the last few years that ILS funds and managers have invested in developing life teams who, who, are, who are there to look, at, to look at other risks in this space and to work towards sort of diversifying the risk base for their investors. You know, one, one area which I think could grow on the ILS space and where captives could, could have some role to play as well is the, the whole ESG and, and green type risk that seems to be a buzzword at the moment. Increasingly, ESG or sustainable investing is becoming mainstream. Pension funds investors are looking to allocate you know portion of their of their capital to these strategies. So so I think there could be a green angle as well where if um captives have or either running projects or, or are based in, in something that could be considered sustainable technology space or something like that, you, you may see opportunities there for ILS managers to get involved. So, Kate, if a captive was interested in one of these more alternative reinsurance arrangements such as ILS, how uh, straightforward or complex and how lengthy might that be from a legal perspective for, an, for a captive insurance company already domiciled in Guernsey looking to set up one of these ILS reinsurance transactions? Well, it's very quick and easy to do in Guernsey. Uh, so Guernsey introduced its special purpose insurer regime in 2017. And that has meant that there is a fast track regime for setting up these ILS transformer vehicles. So you could set up your own cell company uh, and use different cells in that 
company to reinsure different risks. Or you could take a cell in a pre-existing cell company structure managed by one of the local insurance managers. And so that would further reduce costs of setup um, and ongoing admin uh, by just taking a, a, a cell in a pre-existing ILS structure, of which there are quite a few in Guernsey, uh, these very specialised structures. But because they're special purpose insurers and these ILS transactions are fully collateralised, there's no capital requirement at all at the cell level in terms of um, capital resources requirements uh, because the transaction and the cell is fully funded for the maximum aggregate risk exposure of the of the transaction. So it's a cost-effective, quick and easy process to set up an ILS transport transformer in Guernsey. Cheers, Kate. I mean, and Mike, just very briefly on the question on how these transactions or or reinsurance agreements might be triggered, we covered the idea uh, how parametrics work in a previous GCP short with AXA XL. But we know that the ILS investors very much like and have come to working with parametric triggers. So likely that if captors were wanting to sponsor a kind of an ILS reinsurance arrangement, we would be thinking about putting parametrics in place to uh, to, to facilitate that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. As as you mentioned, parametric triggers are something that the ILS world um, understand well. You know, they're often form part of the cap bonds. Um, investors like them. It's easy to understand. So uh, parametrics definitely have a role to play in the captive space. We have actually seen them used, um, not on an ILS basis, but we we have a client in the in the Aon Guernsey office. Um, which identified a key risk, which was based around rainfall during the summer months, the impact on its business. And we were able to structure a, a parametric type solution for them with the reinsurance market. So, so again, it, it's something that could equally be done with the ILS world. Fantastic. Well, I just want to uh, spend the last uh, five minutes or so of this GCP short talking a bit more detail about the life and life ILS developments in Guernsey in, in recent times. And Mike, could you just give us a bit of a lowdown on some of the more innovative transactions in the life ILS space that we've we've seen recently and, and what may be in the pipeline in, in the months and years to come? I think as most people are aware, you know, a big investor in ILS in the ILS world is pension funds. And to a pension fund longevity risk is is a key is a key risk. Well, life almost provides a natural hedge against that risk or, or investing in life insurance because the, the risk is the opposite. To a certain extent for a life insurer, the key risk is that the policyholder doesn't pay enough premium before the cover or the benefit is paid out. So there is to a certain extent a hedge there. So that's, that's one reason why we've seen a lot of life transactions through Guernsey. Most of them have been what we call value enforced financing deals or, or VIF deals. This is where a life insurer looks to raise cash against the future profits on books of life port portfolios. We've also seen extreme mortality transactions or swaps, which were all about the risk of, of people living shorter lives than expected. On regard sort of particular transactions that have been innovative within White Rock PCC that I, I, I'm involved in, um, we can start, we can go back to the Hanover Re L series life securitizations, which, which happened many years ago. But more recently, we've been involved in transactions such as um, SQ Revita 1 and SQ Revita 2. Now, they're both, um, 
they're both life value enforced transactions that have won a number of awards, awards at various ILS award ceremonies. Both have been named ILS Life Transaction of the Year. And these, these are quite interesting transactions. They're loan note structures, which qualify as, as USITS compliant investments. So, so funds can access them and trade this risk relatively easy. I'm also, I'm also lucky enough to sit on the board of some life ILS structures in, in Guernsey, one of which is particularly interesting. It's, a, um, it's funded by Islamic bonds or sukuks as it's called. So it was the first insurance linked securitization of Sharia compliant um, insurance policies. So again, like this is another first for Guernsey's um, insurance industry. Uh, and most recently, what we have seen in Guernsey is um, ILS and longevity coming together, where there has been a transaction in the longevity space recently, where the longevity risk from an existing swap was um, transferred from the life reinsurer to the capital markets via a cell in a protected cell company. So again, this again was the first, it was the first longevity transaction to be written through a protected cell in Guernsey. Uh, and it's also been recognized under the island special purpose insurance rules. So hopefully that leads the way to more. We continue to see interest in this space, um, more inquiries around value enforced transactions and on the extreme mortality side. but. Perhaps the next op opportunity for this space could be could be pandemic risk, as um, in the current environment, um, this risk must be jumping to the top of many risk managers' radars. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot for for all of that input. And Kate, obviously, I think for for me and for particularly for yourself and and your colleagues in Guernsey, I think it should be a really interesting time for the captive and the the wider insurance market because we are entering or we are well into now a hard and quickly hardening market. It should be the ideal time for for captives to look not just at the risks that they're insuring, but the types of reinsurance mechanisms that they're looking to use. And, and Guernsey should be the ideal place to facilitate all of those different types of options, I imagine. Well, yeah, Guernsey's seen a really big increase in inquiries for setting up new captives and also for expanding the risk portfolio of existing captives. Due to the hardening market before COVID, but you know, heightened with with COVID as well, because captives can offer a source of insurance for business interruption risk. Mike talked about pandemic risk, so captives are well suited to serving servicing that requirement. And I think, as there is going to be increased use of captives going forward, um, that means there's going to be increased opportunities for the ILS markets to become involved with captives because captives are going to have bigger portfolios of risk to reinsure and potential reinsurance premiums available to, to pay out to these ILS reinsurers. So I think there is going to be um, a lot more business, a lot more convergence of the two markets. Um, and I think for single parent captives, we've talked about pandemic risk. Um, we've talked about the expansion of um, the life market. I also see the ILS market expanding more into cyber and auto liability. So again, those are areas uh, where ca captives could look to take advantage of opportunities afforded by the alternative source of reinsurance that is the ILS market. We see at Aon, we, we produce a risk management survey every year where we, we send questionnaires out to um, the risk managers of all our clients. And it looks at what risk managers consider the key risks 
to their business are. Every year this changes. If you went back 10 years, everything would be EL, PL, you know, property, so on and so forth. But increasingly, you know, we see new risks appear on this list. You know, things like cyber, we're now going to see pandemic. And a lot of these, a lot of these risks don't necessarily, they're not necessarily insurable or they're partially insurable in the insurance market. And I think that's what captives are good at. Captives are, are good at even um, sort of incubating new risks and, and you know, actually, and actually working with those risks, at the key risks to the business, as opposed to those that you can readily buy insurance for. And again, this is where I think the ILS market could, could come to play, where the ILS market is, is probably more nimble than your traditional insurance or reinsurance market. So they would be well-placed to provide some more bespoke covers than, than you would see normally in the market. Well, thank you to Kate and Mike for taking part in our latest GCP short. To find out more about Kate and Walkers, please do check out their page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website. You can find links and biographies in the episode description. For the time being, stay safe, stay healthy, and see you next time, captives.